0: Glad to be here today. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 2. I thought, I, I preached this earlier this morning, I thought I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't know what version I'm reading, but up there is the New King James Version, and so we're going to read through that, and you're, you're perfect. I, it's, it's my own. Oh, no worries. So... so um I usually do ESV. I'm switching things up today. All right. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in The house. And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Except a jar of oil. I want to speak a little bit today about what's in your house. What's in your house. We had a great service last Sunday. Great presence of God that moved in a mighty way. Engage. If you were there, uh, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't there, well, you missed it. You missed it, but uh, hopefully someone can tell you about it. But we have to carry on what, what we receive there. A lot of times, conferences, we reach a high point. And then that week, it just seems like everything comes against us. Everything's, we're under attack. But we have to press through. As Christians, we have to keep fighting through. We don't live off of highs. You know, we're going fight, to fight the battles. We're going to have God working on our side. Uh, but don't You don't get discouraged. Keep pressing on. Come to church, even if you don't feel like it. We don't base Christianity on feeling. We're going to keep doing the will of God. The harvest truly is ready, and that's another sermon I have thinking, and I've got to get back to the sermon I'm trying to preach today. But the harvest is ready, and so we need to be reaching out to souls. What's in your house? What's in your house? Now, I know um, you've probably had to clean your house from time to time, and I'm going to assume that, a lot of you do that occasionally. Um, and now, I have a lot that needs to be done in my house. The gutters, um, I think I've done it once. I probably should have done it 10 or 20 times by now. I don't know. Uh, but my neighbor told me. He made sure I knew. Um, he's a great neighbor. And he, we get along great. But he says, you know, your gutters, you need to clean them. I was like, oh, great. You want to help me? Um, but, um, but there's things that we have to look for in our house, and and, you know, springtime, you usually go in your house and you clean it out, get rid of all the, the junk and the stuff that you didn't even know you had hidden in the house. And so house, the house needs to be cleaned from time to time. Now, when Susan and I, we, we've moved quite a bit, and growing up, I've moved, if you know my story, but we, we were moving from, from Austin, and we are going to Florence, Kentucky. And um, these, this was many years ago, not that many years ago, but so we were, we were selling our house, and we have... All the stuff in our house, and, it, and I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to move with a lot of stuff. I've done this so many times. Let's, let's get in our van that we still have. It's falling apart. I don't know if you knew, Engage Sunday, we couldn't close the door. Uh, the door stayed open the whole time. It's a sliding door. And so a few of the men, Zach, um, Andy, uh, Kenny, uh, we, we got the door to close. It won't open anymore we got it to close. Well, we've had that van for a long time. It's treated us well. It's a Honda Odyssey. If you need a good quality van, there you go. Um, that was sponsored by Honda there. But um, so we're towing this trailer. We, we packed it up, and, and so we did an estate sale. We couldn't take everything because we'd been in the house only a few years, but for some reason it was full. The attic was full. Everything was full. Um, things were hidden all over the place, so we sold stuff. And there's things I regret that we sold, but we couldn't keep it. We needed to clean the house. We needed to get rid of some things that should not have been there, probably in the first place, and you wonder why you spent so much money. I mean, the kids' rooms was full, full of toys, and it's just amazing. But we had to clean the house. Amen. Anybody with me on that? We have to control our house. Right? Now we cannot control everything in our environment. But our house we should be able to control. So if we want to clean our house, we should be able to clean our house. But if we're living with people that may be unsaved, maybe an unsaved roommate, or maybe an unsaved uh, family member, you may not have control over the whole house. And even if you're a teenager or a young adult, you live with your parents, you don't control your house. Even if you think so, the dad and the mom, they control the house. But you do have your sphere of influence. You have your environment where you can control and you can dictate what happens and what does not happen. So from time to time, you have to take inventory of what's in your house. This could apply to anything from even something physical to something that maybe you watch or what you read. You have to take inventory of what's in your house and what you're allowing into your house. Like I was saying, you cannot control everything, so you cannot control uh, when you go to work what's going to happen in most cases. Or if you go to school, you cannot control that. Or if you go on a, a commute, I've, I've had to travel uh, the, the past few weeks. Um, I've been used to not having to travel for work for the past few weeks. I've had to. So I've gotten on a plane, and it's just amazing in, in the work environment as well as just out and about the the foul language that exists in this world. You get on a plane and someone can use God's name in vain and nobody thinks of it. But if I were to go on a plane and go, praise God, in the name of Jesus, they'd probably kick me out of a plane, think I'm nuts or crazy, but people could say everything else and it's okay. It's amazing what's happening in our world today. But we cannot control that. Those things we have no control of. I can't control the person that comes on the plane that I think what they were wearing was appropriate maybe inside their own home. But getting on the plane, maybe not so much. Now, there's a principle here. There's certain things that look impressive on certain people, but the majority of us, it doesn't. All right? But somehow... Everybody thinks they should dress that way, and you're wondering, I didn't really want to see this this early in the morning. And you should feel embarrassed. If you would have just put a, you know, a simple dress on or whatever, everyone would have thought nothing of it and thought you were normal, but you decide to do that. And it's unfortunate, and I've seen things that I wish I never would have seen. But you cannot control what you see all the time. You cannot control what you hear, or what you're exposed to. The psalmist, in, the psalmist in Psalms chapter 101, and I'm going to read from verses 1 through, through 7, he says, I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. What he's saying is, I want your presence, God. I want to worship you, God. I want to live for you, God. And so I'm going to make a commitment In my house, in the sphere of influence that I have, that I'm going to be mature, that I'm going to live in holiness, that I'm going to live and strive to do what's right, to control my house. He's saying, I cannot guarantee as I go down the street what I will see or what I will hear. I cannot control when I go to my job what someone will say or what the situation will be. But in my sphere of influence, I can control that and I will do what it takes to do what is right. In Psalms continuing in verse 6, he says, My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to make sure my fellowship, I'm going to make sure that those who I associate with, those who I dwell with, those whose spirit I entertain, do you know that if you hang out with someone and when you entertain other people, you're entertaining the spirit that's in them? So if they're full of bitterness and hate, have a critical spirit, that will rub off on you. Not might, it will rub off on you. If they are full of anger and rage, and that's why Proverbs says stay away from the angry man, because that will rub off on you. So you take someone out to eat and they start talking about the pastor. And you go, oh, that's okay. No, you ought to say, you know what? I love my church, I love my pastor, no one's perfect no one's claiming to be in in church, we're not all claiming to be perfect but say I love what God is doing in my life and in my church and through my pastor so if you start criticizing my pastor and I let that happen well it may start creating barriers for God's grace, for God to work in my life and I don't want that to happen it, you, we have to be careful what we entertain. That is your house, your car, your room, your table. You control that atmosphere. So we have to have from time to time, every once in a while, a spiritual house cleaning. And this isn't really what I'm talking about today. But I, I want to make sure we're, we, we understand that our house needs to be clean. Our house needs to be consecrated. Our house needs to be a place where God can dwell. And so we may need to look at our house, even in the physical sense as well as the spiritual sense. Are there things we need to get rid of? Are there things in our closet that maybe we shouldn't have that we need to get rid of? Are there CDs, DVDs, whatever, uh, if anybody has those anymore? I don't know. Maybe you need to look at your Netflix um. Um, list that you're about to watch this next week. And, and I was saying on the north side, I cannot remember besides watching a, an episode t- two weeks ago, some TV show, I watched one episode, I enjoyed it, but besides that, I don't know in the last month, or watched a movie or a TV show, I don't remember. I was trying to think, okay, what was the last thing besides that that I watched? I just don't have the time. It's not that I don't enjoy it, and I'm not preaching against it, but we need to be careful what we watch. We need to be careful what we're doing in our house. You don't control anything else but your house, your table, your car. So we need to take inventory from time to time and say, does my gutters need to be clean? Do I need to take some of those things out that should not be there? So take inventory. So what's in your house? We've been talking about consecration. But the story that we read really isn't about consecration at all. It's about opportunity. That's what it's about. It's about opportunity. I don't know if you all remember what Matt preached um, a couple Sundays ago, but it's going to kind of fit in. I, I listened to Matt's sermon. It was a great sermon, and it was Faith is Substance. So if you weren't here, you missed a sermon, but you can go online and listen to that one, and you should. You should listen to that sermon, Faith is Substance. But this is opportunity. We're talking about opportunity here. Here's a widow, and I don't know if you know the story, maybe you do, but here's a widow who had a husband, and um, her husband passed away. Obviously, she's a widow. I'm slow, so just stay with me here. I'll I'll catch up. Um, It's good that you all are, anyway. So her husband passed away. And he was a son of a prophet, so it looked like he was either the school he was part of the school of the prophets, maybe he was a prophet himself, and he passed away. And during this time, if if your husband passes away, that's a serious situation. A lot of times we read through scripture and we, we quickly scan over it and we lose what's really going on. The meaning. This is a woman that is in a dire situation, and her husband's died, she has no way to make a living. And now the creditors are knocking on our door saying, okay, it's time for us to take your sons and sell them into slavery. I have kids. I cannot imagine what that would be like. To lose your kids, number one, but to know your kids are going into slavery. This woman has sold everything. It doesn't, it's, it looks like from what I can, and I'm paraphrasing, you just have to forgive me after, after church. It seems like she sold her table, their mattresses. There, there's nothing in the house, nothing. She's tried her best, she's done her best to do everything she can. And the creditors are knocking at the door saying, okay, we took everything. It's now time for us to take your sons. And so she comes running to the prophet. And she runs to the prophet, and she doesn't have nice words to say. She just comes because she has a need, and she says, I need, I need a miracle. Elisha didn't go up there and say, well, okay, I have lots of money. Here you go. Or let's go to the bank, and let's, let's, let's take some money. There are, you know, God's just going to pour out. He's just going to rain money on me. That's really what she needed. She needed finances to pay off the debt and to continue to live on. But instead, he reports back to her with a question. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? We have to take inventory with what we have. In your time of need, look at what's available already. Look at what's in your house already. We look for a miracle. We're look, we we're always looking for a miracle and God to show himself strong and that's great. We do depend on God but we always look for something we don't have. We always look and say, God I have this need. What can you do about it? We think that we don't have what's necessary to meet the need. On our own we don't but God he looks at us and he asks us what do you have that I can use. What's in your house? It reminds me of the story of Moses. The story of Moses you can read about in in Exodus uh, chapter 3 and 4 where God calls Moses. You're probably familiar with the story. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to talk to Pharaoh and just tell Pharaoh... Let my people go. That sounds easy enough. And Moses said, yeah, let's go do it. No, Moses was logical, like every one of us. And he says, how in the world am I going to do this? What if I go to Pharaoh and he just laughs at me? What if I go to Pharaoh and I say, God says, let my people go, and he just says no? What am I supposed to do then? Moses is looking for the big miracle. He's looking for God to do something God to give him a Superman cape or give him a Superman power and he's going to come in and you know God's just going to work through him. Moses is thinking God's going to give something external to work through him. And that's how we operate. That's how we think. That's how I think. I'm talking to myself here. Um, But God turns around and says to Moses, what's in your hand? Moses was a shepherd. He had a stick in his hand. And God says, Moses, throw the stick on the ground. And so Moses said, okay, sweet, let's try this. Moses didn't know what was going to happen, and it turned into a snake. And God says, why don't you pick up that snake? And so he picked up the snake, and it turned back into a stick. And God says, see, Moses, that's what I can do. He says, you know what? Watch this. Why don't you throw, put, a, put away your stick and... and And take your hand and put it inside your cloak and and take it out. And it was full of leprosy. I said, well, why don't you put it back in? So Moses did and took it out and God healed the leprosy. So what God was doing with Moses was was giving him an object lesson. Very much the case as what our Sunday school teachers do with our kids. And maybe we should do more with our adults to keep them entertained. Um, But God was giving them an object lesson. God God was giving Moses an object lesson on what he can do with what Moses had already available. He's saying, well, if all you have is a stick, I'm God. I can work through a stick. And you know what? If you don't even have a stick, I can work with just your hands. Amen? Amen? We're asking for a miracle and we're asking where's the deliverance and, and, and where's the miraculous and where's the supply? And God says, well, what? do you have in your house? Let's start with what you got. Don't worry about what you don't have. What's in your house? What's in your house? There's a story, I called it a joke on the north side this morning and no one laughed. So this is a story, it's not a joke, okay? Things I find funny, apparently no one else does there's these two farmers and they're dreaming these, these young farmers and they're dreaming about what could happen. And so the one farmer turns to the other and says, Hey man, if you had a thousand cows and I helped you take them to the market and we sold them together, would you give me 500? And the other farmer says, Oh yeah, if I had a thousand cows and you helped me, Oh, you're my best friend, man. Well, Definitely, I'll give you 500 easy. He said, okay, cool. Well, what if you had 100, and, and we went down to the market, and we sold the cows? Would you give me 50? He goes, oh, absolutely, man. If we had 100, I mean, can you imagine having 100 cows? Imagine how wealthy would be. Man, God's blessing, all that. Absolutely. You help me take them to the market, you'll get 50. He goes, well, what if you had two, and we went to the market, and, and, and you gave me one? He goes, hey, man you know I already have two cows. Oh, see, they laugh. There you go. It's like, man, you already know that's what I have. That's, that, what, what do you think? It, that, that's my living right there. That's, that's how I make my living. Now, when we're talking hypothetically, when we're imagining things, sure, all kinds of miracles can happen. When I was a kid, and maybe I do from time to time still today. I think that I could have been the best, you know, football player, best basketball player, maybe the best coach in the world, all the Super Bowls. and I'm not smart enough. I'm not athletic enough. But I could dream, right? Maybe I'll be the best general and, man, I'll just lead my men into battle. Let's do this. You know, all these just imagining things, right? No clue, right, what, what, what I'm dreaming of. But I'm sure you've all been there. You've imagined things. Even maybe still today in your work, you're imagining where you could go and what God can do. But when we imagine, so many miracles can happen hypothetically. So many miracles can happen when we're just imagining things. But it's different when it's reality. People will say all kinds of stuff when they're imagining things. Well, they'll say, if my rich uncle gives me a million dollars, I'll give $500,000 to the church. No big deal. I, I mean, maybe I'll even just give a hundred thousand because that's tides, anyways. I'll give that. But then you go, hold on. What, what if you have ten thousand or five thousand in a banquet? Would you give one thousand or two thousand? You're like, oh, hold on, man. I actually do have that. I oh, I'm not quite sure. I I want to give that. You see, when when it's hypothetical, we can imagine doing things, but when it's reality. We're like, hold on, that's where I'm at today. I, you know, anything can happen. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long I keep my job. I'm trying to save this all up. I'm not sure I can let go of a few. But God is saying, start with what you have. We're looking for a miracle so far out there. And God says, I can do a miracle with what you have. What's in your house? What's in your house? Start with what you have. We can be full of dreams of, I wish I was an eloquent speaker. And if I was an eloquent speaker, God can do amazing work and and heal and and people would be filled with the Holy Ghost. If only I had a great testimony like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so and and, and God can use that testimony and, and God can work. If only I had this. Or that. But God is not asking you to be somebody you're not. Start with what you have. Start with where you are. Did you know you can pray one prayer of faith and it can result in a miracle? One simple faith. Did you know that you can give one testimony or one Bible study That wins a soul. You can go to a jail ministry. Or you could do some other form of outreach. And you could pray with someone. And they could receive the Holy Ghost. Don't be living in a dream. Of what could be. Or what might be. Or what you wish would be. What's in your hands. What's in your house. Start with that. You know the feeding of the 5,000. No one had anything. In the Bible, Jesus feeds the 5,000. What did he start with? There was a boy that had five loaves and two fish. That won't feed most Americans. Sorry. Um, But but God saw a boy with five loaves and two fish. I mention that because on the business trip I went this week, they they sent us to this this place, and there was a 32-ounce steak. And there's a challenge of whether you can finish it. I did. I finished it. I was determined I was going to do it. And so, I mean, imagine, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. I don't know. I survived. It was, it was a bad night because we ate late. And, man, it was a bad night. Praise God. Praise God. But start with what you have. What's in your hand? What's in your house? Let's start with that. The widow, all she had in her house was this jar of oil. And the prophet said, go borrow jars, go borrow jars, go borrow what you can find. He didn't explain why he was saying all this. She didn't know what was going on, but there was an implication to all of this. There's something bigger than you think. Lady, there's something bigger than you can imagine. Go get some jars. Go get some jugs. And so she goes around to all her neighbors and finds all the vessels that she can. And then she starts pouring it out. And she starts pouring from one vessel to another and and to another. And her sons keep bringing her vessels. And and she keeps pouring it out. And just pouring it out. And pouring it out. And, And finally they get to the last vessel. And she asks her son, is there any more vessels? And he says, that's all. And then the oil stops. So the prophet said, go sell all these vessels and pay off your debt and live off the rest. Notice God used what she had. God used what she had. Now, if I were God, I wouldn't have done anything like this. I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. And that shows you that that's God. When we read stories in the Bible... We all would have come up with some other solution. We'll call the richest guy in the land, and he'll help you out. But God starts with what you have. Only God can do that. Only God can start with our limitations and do something miraculous from that. Amen? Amen? Notice that the prophet didn't explain this. She had to take it by faith. She didn't know what the prophet was thinking. She didn't know what God was doing. She just said, okay, I'll borrow vessels. Okay, but I don't know what this is good for. If he wants to use this oil, why doesn't he just need one vessel? I'm so confused. What in the world is he talking about? This doesn't make any sense. But she did it. She did it any case. You know, when we read the Bible, sometimes we wonder, does God really want me to do that? Does God really want me to live that way? If it's in the Bible, just trust the word of God, because I guarantee you that it's sure and that his promises are sure and the principles in his word are sure. And so she did it. She didn't just get a few. She got as many as she could. The size of her miracle and the size of our miracle was determined by the size of her faith. And obedience. Her faith and her obedience. Faith is substance. She couldn't really know what the miracle was going to be, but she had to have faith and had to obey. She had to collect a bunch of empty jars and jet vessels and whatnot, and she not really knowing what was going to happen. But when she obeyed, the miracle happened. When she obeyed, the miracle took place. But the miracle was proportional. Proportional to her obedience. Proportional to her obedience. The limitation, get this, this, is, this the limitation was how big she could imagine how big she can imagine God working. We all have crazy imaginations of what God can do, but God limited her to her imagination on how many vessels she can get, and that's how big her miracle was. So here's the point. God always works by grace through faith. Everything is a free gift from God. Everything we receive, it's free, and the only way we receive it is by faith she had to respond to the prophet by faith. and But notice that the proportion depends on the response by faith. Faith, obedience, response, proportion, that all will dictate how much God works through your situation. The size of the miracle is based on our response, our ability to have faith in God. Whatever we're talking about, if you have a need in your life, if you have a need on your job, if you know a co-worker that, that needs something, if you know a family member that needs something, maybe you want to be a soul winner for God. The first thing God wants to know, what's in your hands? What's in your house? What do you have that I can use? What's in your house? Is your house in order? I don't know. You know. God knows. If it's not, Get in order first. If your house is in order, what do you have already? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't study, grow, improve yourself. Those are things that are necessary. And and, and, and um, I was talking to our the ministry leaders on the north side. I used the same thing, and I talked a little bit different. And so I challenged them differently than, than this. But but we should use what we have, and God's looking for what's in our house. Don't say, if only I had this, then God, then God would work, and then, then I would obey God. If, if only I had done this, if only I had gone to Bible school, if, if only I had decided to do this long ago, then God could have done this. No, God's looking at you right now where you are, and he says, what's in your house? He wants to do something incredible in your life, and, and he's just looking at you and say, do you want it? Do you want the miracle? Do you want me to supply your need? Then give me what's in your house. What's in your hands? Praise God. Praise God. God wants to do a miracle through you. He's not waiting on somebody else. He's waiting on you. What's in your house? Whatever we're talking about, the question starts with, what do your house? Is there anything in your house you need to get rid of? Is there anything in your closet you need to throw to the curb? Is there anything in your house that you need to take to the dumpster or have a bonfire? I don't know. Is there anything you need to get rid of? That's the consecration portion. You know. You know where you're at. You know where your house is and what needs to be done um, in your house. But once you've cleaned your house, okay, what can you give? What can you use? What can God do with your life? God can use every single one of us. Let's all stand today. What's in your house? You might say, well, there's sin in my past. Well, okay. Has God forgiven you? Because He's the only one that can. Great. If He's forgiven you, alright, use Use that for the glory of God. If you struggled with something and God's forgiven you, and by His grace, you're you're living for Him, there are other people in the church that might be struggling with the same thing. Use your testimony to help someone else. But then you say, well, okay, but I only have one jar of oil left. What's that? I've tried everything. I've sold everything. I've tried to do things on my own, and I have one jar of oil. What can God do with one jar of oil? Well, can I just say this? Start pouring it out. Just start pouring it out. Just start pouring it out. Don't hoard any of it. Don't keep it to yourself. Just pour it out. Just use what you have and pour it out and let God work in that. Start getting other vessels. Start getting other uh, bottles and, and jugs or whatnot, and start gathering in and other people that are in similar circumstances and say, okay, you have one vessel, I have oil, let's just pour it out. And see God multiply and see God work in your life. What do you have in your house? But you know... In the end, it turns into, what can you receive? There's substance in faith. There's substance in obedience. When you give God what you have in your house, then you'll see what you can receive. It started off, lady, what do you have? I have a jar of oil. Okay, start using that and start pouring it out. And at some point, she started to realize, it's not just about what I have, it's about what God wants me to receive. It's what God wants to do in my life. She started off with just one jar of oil, and she, she ended up receiving more than enough. She ended up receiving more than enough for her family, and to pay off all the debts. But it went beyond that. It went so far beyond that because she never had to worry about her sons ever again. You see, there was a need right there. But if someone were to give her money right then, it would not have resolved the need in the future. Because she would still need to find a way of making a living and find a way of not losing her sons. But when you give God what's in your house and you give it to God, He'll take it He'll multiply it. He'll bless it. In the end, you'll receive more than just meets the need, but it'll go so far beyond where you won't even have to worry about that struggle ever again. You won't ever have to worry about that addiction ever again. You won't ever have to worry about those things that bind you ever again because you've given it to God. You've given whatever's in your house to God. Give it to God. What's In your house. I open up the front here today. If you need to repent, if you need God to work in your life and clean your house, I welcome you.